Hello and welcome to the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. I'm so happy you're here. In these episodes, we will dive deep into the idea of peace. What is it? Is it even attainable? Everyone wants it. So how can we make it manifest? Along with my own experiences, you will also hear uplifting stories from inspirational people who are building peace in their own lives and the world around them. We are on the threshold of a new society, looking at where science meets spirituality. And these stories are a call to action to help overcome division and build a better society for all concerned. Join me on this thought-provoking journey to explore ways we can all amplify peace and love. Thank you for coming. And I wanted to introduce my guests today. I have with me, they're part of the Peace Alliance, Kathy Vanden Bogard and Deb Nedow. Right? Did I say that right? <laughs> Woo. Okay. I, I didn't want to say that too badly. They are with the Great Lakes Peace Center. And they, so they are in. Michigan, right? You're in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. We are. Yeah. So why don't you introduce yourselves to the listeners and and tell us what your your passion is. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Awesome. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Deb Neto, and I'm I'm a youper. That means a person who lives in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And I'm just glad to be here today and can't wait to talk to you about ways that I think everybody can participate in building peace in our country and around the world. So appreciate the invitation and I'm just going to hand it over for Kathy. Okay. Hi, I'm, I'm Kathy Vanden Bogard and I am a transplant to the, the UP. Lived in Wisconsin my whole life until about three years ago when I moved here after meeting Deb and deciding to join forces and help support her dream for a peace center. So, yeah. All right. And so what do you guys do? I'm like looking at your website. I looked through it already and you guys have so much going on between the different story events and the becoming beloved community summits and all kinds of different things. So what started all of this for you? So I am married to an indigenous man in who grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And we've been married 21 years. And in our marriage, I'm just going to tell you that he told me when we were dating that indigenous people are treated poorly and have a real tough time in our predominantly white culture. Mm. And I, I was like, that can't be because in my reality, I, I don't feel like I treat people poorly. So why would other people do that? Right. I wasn't aware that's 21 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I went, he and I went out to dinner and he said, we're going to get served last. And I'm like, can't be, can't be. And by golly, we did. We got served after people who came in after us were served. And I was like, what? This isn't sour grapes. What's going on? So I started a journey of learning about, the subtle racism that occurs in the lives of people of color that I wasn't aware of um, because I didn't experience it. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the thing that I really 
really want people to know is there's there's just no place for shame and blame in peace building and healing, right? Yeah. And so I didn't, I, you know, for me, it took a while to learn not to feel shame and blame when I'm hanging out with these amazing indigenous people. That kind, those kinds of experiences is why we started a peace center. Hmm. We're a small, small organization. We're not big. We have four people plus um, my daughter who volunteers to help us on technology, right? <laughs> We're not big. We're not big. Um, but peace building isn't about being massive. It's about being committed to our community and building it and helping other people build it, right? It's about relationships. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, that community, so, building that community. Yeah. So, so really we're a small organization with big hearts and big dreams. And we are all about, we know we can't do this alone. This is a collaborative opportunity. So we're partnering with the Episcopal Diocese of Northern Michigan because they are ready. They're just so strongly committed to racial healing, truth telling. Great. Yeah. And, and then we have partners out of Tucson, Arizona, the Institute of Planetary Peace, a newly forming organization, brilliant, led by a PhD, beautiful brainiac. I, you know, <laughs> I apologize for being informal, but she's just incredible. And she's helping us develop things like a five-day peace camp mm. based on indigenous teachings, right? Based on um, helping, helping our youth learn about all those brilliant traditions that the Native American community has that they want people to know about and, and share. And of course, the people providing a lot of the services during an, a project like that would be Native American people. So mm-hmm. we're building relationships, right? That's beautiful. Yeah. And a lot of the, the things that, that are mentioned on our website of, of the various activities and things that we've been involved in have been primarily from our partnership with the Episcopal Diocese of, of Northern Michigan and, and in working together with them, that's opened up so many doors that, that have led us to, you know, meet people and have all of these really cool experiences that, you know, really started out with Deb being asked to come to their convention to talk about peace building. And then from there, that was when I moved up shortly after that I moved here and then we were invited to join their justice and peace committee. And so we're active members on, on that committee and wrote a couple grants through that, what we learned from their organizations that they work with. And, and, you know, like Deb had said earlier, their commitment to, to racial reconciliation was what got us started. And we were just, laughing about that earlier today as we were talking about it because you know as we got started we had really good intentions of of what we wanted to do with you know and in our area the the biggest population that that's been affected by systemic racism is the the native american population and so that was our focus and so we had all these ideas that we wrote into the grant that we were going to do to change the world and you know whatever and <laughs> and as we started getting into it we realized like hmm that's really you know not our place to 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 be the the white people coming in to take charge and you know do what we think needs to get done and so we quickly learned that a lot of that healing piece needs to be 
led by and for Native people and that our role is to support Mm. and to use whatever influence we have to help and listen to to what they need and then do what we can with with the privilege that we have taken for granted all our lives because we didn't really even know we had it until we started realizing that it's like oh my goodness so yeah yeah, that's been really exciting and you know we're still we're still learning and and I think part of it too is and you can speak for yourself but for me it was you know the the fear of of making a mistake you know offending saying something wrong and you know I'm still a little nervous about that but I, I think you know I've I've been learning that it's it's worse not to say or do anything than it is to make a mistake and be corrected and learn from that and, and move on because yeah. if the heart's in the right place and it's really what you're called to do, then people will forgive you if, if you're not yeah. always politically correct. <laughs> yeah, it's that humility, that humbleness that, you know, I'm learning, help me to learn and, right. you know, teach me. And I think is is so powerful because as peace builders, we don't want to cover over anymore because I, you know, growing up, we were always, you know, as white women or white girl, you know, I don't see color. I don't see color. And, you know, and that was, we thought that was a nice thing to say, you know, but, but no, it's not, it's not good at all to say that. And yeah, (laughs) I I, I made that, I made that big mistake not long ago again. Right. I'm 60 years old. You think I'd get this by now? <laughs> but I I was at this beautiful gathering of uh, people who want to focus on racial healing and ra- and truth telling, and I I met this gentleman from Chicago. Oh, he's so cool. I just said, I just don't see color, pink, purple, or blue. No, no color. And that that day, it was awesome timing. The presenters said, when you do that, you hurt people of color and then explained. And I'm like, (gasps) so I sat there again. We talked to people all the time. There's no place for shame. There's no place for blame. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had to stand up in, in, in that group and go, I made a huge mistake. I did that today. I did that today. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and please forgive me and and help me. Call me on it if I do it again. Right? right. And I think that it's it's. I think the hard part for people is saying, "Oops, I made a mistake. Forgive me. I'm going to do my best not to do it again." I I don't know why we do that to ourselves. We put so much pressure on being perfect. Yeah. Um, and. So anyway, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make mistakes. And if I'm not making mistakes, then I'm not doing enough anyway, right? Mm. Yeah, that's I'm a good way to look at it. Yeah, I've got to keep, keep connecting and building relationships. And this work of truth-telling in the United States and healing work, it's messy. It's painful. It's an uncomfortable journey, but it's essential. Mm-hmm. It's essential. And Absolutely. I just, you know, I again back to there's no place for shaming and blaming right now it's about healing and truth telling and then figuring out as an individual what can i do what and what's comfortable for me that's, and it, yeah and the know, other part of it too that we've been been learning and and you know in our experiences mm-hmm. you know we we've come across a wide 
range of people who are at different levels Mm -hmm. of of their healing, you know, where you've got the one extreme where people are very angry and resentful and bitter about what's happened. And then other people who have, have, you know, done some of that work to heal their own wounds so that then they can, you know, share that with others and, you know, everything in between. And, And so I think, you know, our website is still a work in progress. And one of our yeah. sections is to that we're still in working on is is describing our five pillars of, of service. And one of those is personal peace building and, you know, where you're really taking that time to look within and and whatever it is, whatever work you need to do to heal so that that doesn't continue to carry over because, you know, we were talking earlier about how right now and you know there's so much going on in our country where you know and and when you're talking about systemic racism and and how it's so built into all of the ideas behind capitalism behind competitiveness behind all of these things that's totally the opposite of what peace building is all about and so as long as people are feeling the need to compete I know you know, there's the image of it's not it's not pie. You know, there aren't a, an infinite number of pieces of pie to go around to everybody. But it's it's still that if I'm on the bottom, I need to get to the top. And if I get to the top, then somebody else gets to put, get pushed down. And mm-hmm. and it doesn't need to be like that. Mm-hmm. And and so that's really the work that that needs to happen. And, and I think Kathy, you're, we were talking earlier today that the one of the beautiful parts of the indigenous culture is it's a circle. It's not a hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. It's a circle. We are all in circle together, that we're all equal. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we do our decision-making even in our organization in circle, that everyone has voice, everybody has a t- an opportunity to speak their truth. We encourage disagreement mm-hmm. and dialogue around what, the why of it, right? We don't stay frustrated or, or quiet about something. And, you know, again, dialogue practices are really yeah. important in all parts of our lives. Even just getting back to the simple, you can have a conversation and not agree with the other person's point of view, but still treat people with dignity and respect and, and listen. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be this all out war or battle for every, every right thing that you're talking about. <laughs> right. It's it's not like, you know, I have to change your mind, you know, it's, right. it's, I just need to present my, my point of view and you present your point of view and we take it from there, you know, we're okay at having different viewpoints, right? We've, we've allowed uh, elections to divide our country in half. We've allowed differences to be dividing. And, you know, you had asked us a really cool question. You asked us, um, if the world were perfect right now, what would it look like? Yeah, yep. And I, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to answer sure, that. Sure, absolutely. Go for it. In my perfect world, everybody has what they need. They feel safe. They feel loved. They're treated with love and respect. And I think for, for me, that differences are desired. How do we ever, if we're all thinking the same way, how do we ever come to a new level Mm. of understanding? So differences are encouraged. They're desired. That to me is perfect. And the only other part for me in a perfect world is that we are surrounded and connected 
to nature and, and this beautiful creation, right? Do we get to put our feet in the grass? Do we get to have a connection with the, all of the animals and plants? And, and I know that sounds kind of out there, but when do we slow down enough just to sit and put our feet in the grass anymore, right? Yeah, that's How so true. So, so in a perfect world, we all have green space. <laughs> we all have connection with that. I think that, to me, then lends respect to we're more willing to recycle. We're more willing to care for this beautiful earth so that our next seven generations live a full life here, too. And that's, a, you know, obviously a, a teaching that our beautiful Native American community talks about. Mm-hmm. So that, for me, was... What, what would a, that perfect world look like? And I'm just going to, I know this is a short recording, but have you noticed young kids when they're going to a park, they just run and jump into any game that's being played yeah. with joy and ease and they're happy and everybody just accepts. You don't even have to speak the same language. If there's a ball out there, they all know what they're going to do, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be lovely if all of us can do that? That when we walk into a park or into a building, that we can join in with that kind of joy and that kind of desire for fun, you know, that means that I feel loved and safe enough to go and do that. That's pretty cool to me. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for answering that question because that question kind of really connects us all, you know, and the more people that answer that question, we all pretty much have the same answer you know, is that safety and the love. And, you know, so, I mean, that to me is, is what we're all kind of after, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Well, that made me think I participated in this awesome webinar last month called the forgiveness forum. And one of the things that, that one of the speakers mentioned is that, you know, nobody is safe until everybody is safe. You know, that's, that's the ultimate and that, you know, forgiveness is the goal and the ultimate end result is love, you know, mm. and, and that's where the healing comes from. And so to me, that, that just really hit, hit home for me and, and that, you know, when there's forgiveness, it takes away the fear. And so if their fear isn't there and people can feel safe, then we can move into what we would love to see in the world, you know, and, and how what Deb just described would just be amazing. And yeah. simple but hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in the course of this whole, you know, putting this podcast together is coming to the the realization that and I this is kind of like the the theme of the podcast is self-love begets inner peace. Inner peace begets world peace. Therefore, self-love begets world peace. So if we have self-love, each individual can get to that place of self-love, then I have enough love for me and myself and that I don't feel that fear of someone else, you know? And, you know, I, I think that each one of us can create that self-love for ourselves, but also for the community, like you're doing with within the work that you're doing in your center is just, it's so, if we had like every community had a, a peace center, wouldn't that be great? You know, beautiful. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
I, that made me jump right out of my skin. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to hold it all, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, literally, like, I, I know I can't save the world. And you guys there in the Upper Peninsula can't save the world. But if, if all of us link up and do what we can, do our part, then right. it's, we're and, all part. Yeah. yeah. And with all parts of the community. So you're talking, you know, the youth through schools, churches, whatever, adults through yeah. business, community organizations. I mean, there's so much networking that could be done. Oh, well, and I'm, I'm going to tell you about a dream of ours not actualized yet. <laughs> it is that we want to have peace clubs from little itty bitty toddlers all the way through all the life stages. And we're doing that with these books, Malala, you know, I, I, just a, a series of books we're working on this right now and having discussion guides where mo moms and dads and children can come. Uh, we have somebody skilled at reading to children, you know, mm -hmm. because there are all kinds of theater groups and other groups that can really engage children or there's awesome teachers who are doing it every day. And having them read these beautiful books to children to build in appreciation for nature, build in appreciation for differences, understand other cultures so that it isn't scary when someone who's Christian meets someone who's Muslim, right? Mm -hmm. Or just helping build these awarenesses um, over time. And again, in a community that takes collaboration because what gets young families together? Well, free food really helps, right? <laughs> a really cool environment really helps, right? How do we how do we help people get together? And then how do those parents build relationships with each other for play dates and other things to help build and continue this culture? And as those children grow, then there are inactivism or whatever, being actively engaged in this transitional justice in our, our communities. How do we work with middle schoolers, elementary school, high schoolers, you know, and how do we keep these activities going and support that? I think youth are brilliant and I think we don't listen enough. If we give them the right resources, they know what they want to change in our communities. How do we support that? So, so for us, it's building and then relationships. They're the, they're the perfect ones once they yeah. build those skills themselves to then turn around and share it with you know, children that are younger and they're our next generation of camp counselors yeah. and, you know, all right. of that. So it just keeps on going. And, and it can be simple. I think, you know, we're sounding a little heady, but we can be doing book clubs that have specific themes for across a year where we get to build relationships as a group and talk about it, about concepts, whether, you know, for us, obviously one of our first Themes is going to be how do we support Native American communities? We've got five tribes in the UP, wow. and we're talking to you from a town of fourteen hundred people. <laughs> okay, that's where we live. Fourteen hundred people, and how can you know just a small number of people work across the whole Upper Peninsula to talk about? Hey, here's some great material about the experiences of Native American communities. How do we support? Kathy and I do a two-hour workshop where what are 12 things you can do to support indigenous communities What are and, and individuals? How can you do that? Simple things like buying indigenous art or items made by indigenous communities or tribes have lists of their business members that own businesses. 
support those businesses when you can. Mm-hmm. Simple things. These, these aren't pick one, pick two, pick three. Don't go, don't go crazy. And then adapt and move on. And then, of course, our indigenous communities up here really, really are advocating strongly for environment. How do we support that? Even if we don't believe in it, it's yeah. not something that I'm personally passionate about. They are. How do we support them? Right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So it can be oh, yeah. one thing. Don't feel you have to be. You can tell by by just talking right now. I'm not. I'm not an intellect. I'm not an academic. I just care. And I think that people care. People mm-hmm. care. It's just how do we connect? Mm-hmm. How do we build a network of caring people? And, you know, for us, the door opened for us with the with the Episcopal Diocese. They were the, the people who were advocating like we were. So we found like-minded people who just build those networks. Yeah, yeah. That's, and, that, and that's all it takes because, you know, when you get more people together, you get the energy going and, and mm-hmm. yeah, you can move mountains. Yes. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. more resources can be pooled. Yeah. So that's, I think, that's really been our, for yeah. us, really, we've got a lot of dreams. We're going to keep working on them one at a time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of people hurting in our country, a lot of people of color and other people who are, are really marginalized, harmed that we, you know, we, we really hope to address those issues as we grow um, our initiatives. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So is there a way that people can contact you or I'll, I'll put your website in the show notes and all that fun stuff. Is there like something that you're doing that people can, can reach out or say someone from the upper peninsula, it's like, Hey, how can I help? Or even in their own communities. Cause I know here where I live, my, my town name is from a native American name and my, the high school I went to was a Native American name. So it's throughout our our country, right? All like street names right. or town names and and the original people. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's not just an upper peninsula thing. Like people oh. can can look in their own communities and how like how would you suggest somebody say they're listening in you say Virginia or here yeah. in, in New Jersey, like how could they reach out? to, you know, their Native American communities? I'm just going to, I'm going to say that people are afraid to do that. It's uncomfortable. It's a little scary. We're surprised always at how the tribes all have brilliant websites and they have contact information. Okay. And they're inviting. I mean, so for me, what I tell people is get on the, get Google, <laughs> um, find the tribes because they all want to be found. Contact some people, ask some questions. And the biggest thing that we share with people is, and I'm the worst offender, is it's time when you're in an indigenous community to be quiet and listen. I love to talk. That's not appropriate when you're with indigenous communities because their their culture is about listening and about just quiet, respectful relationship building. So and and talk, when you listen, oh, yeah. listen and talk less, right? And as I say, when you go on the websites, they will have a list of all the events that are happening mm-hmm. in the area that you know you can start that way. And yes. you know powwows or and you know, powwow. We, there are national sites, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. Powwow.com okay. lists all across the country, all indigenous communities powwows now. 
COVID has changed that. And a lot of them have gone virtual. So that might even be a safer way to check things out because you don't even have to go in person, but right. you can go online yeah. to learn more about the culture and just to see what happens. And, I love it. Yeah. And they have, they share their teachings. They yeah. want a lot of them are, you know, the Haudenosaunee people. I mean, there's, there's just so many people who are wanting people to understand, better understand their culture. So that's, and just learning about the true history of, of what happened in our country and, mm -hmm. and, you know, even little thing, not little things, but I mean, some examples would be, you know, indigenous people's day instead of Thanksgiving or, you know, looking at the mascot issue and, and if there are any controversies in your area to find out ways to support and, and to understand, you know, and I, I think, you know, we've got that going on in, in Marquette, which isn't that far from, from where we are. And, and I think, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, again, it's a change of attitude and, and looking at it from another person's point of view. It may not be offensive to you. It might have special meaning because that's what you grew up with right. and that's how you have your identity through your school right. experience. But if you hear other people talking about how that is offensive and harmful, then if other people are experiencing that, then to have an open mind and and try to understand, okay, maybe maybe there are some things we need to look at to to see about making some changes. And mm -hmm. you know, I, so I think that goes back to being right. Aren't we always <laughs> a lot of people busy being right yeah. instead of maybe um, just being open to another person's personal truth? Aren't our personal truths different? And wouldn't it be neat if we all had more of an questioning or a, like an inquisitive way of wanting to learn about other people's experiences and just yeah. keeping an open mind, keeping an open mind. I, you know, my husband was one of those unfortunate people who was put in an Indian boarding school mm. and the, the, uh, the harm done and, and people are going Indian boarding schools. Those don't, those don't exist. Well, until 1978, they, they were in Michigan and they're still, they still now are existing, only they've shifted focus from killing the Indian to save the man. Now they're, they're talking about really true support and helping Indigenous youth succeed and have the supports that they need, right? Because back when my husband went to Indian boarding school, it was all about removing culture. You were punished if you spoke your language, you, your hair was shaved, um, you weren't allowed to have long hair. You, you know, there were a lot of horrible things that happened to him. He, he's been brilliant about sharing his stories with people so that they can understand what happened to that little boy mm. um, in, the, in the Indian boarding school. And I think in sharing his story, he started healing. And I, I think if anybody listening, the, the takeaway for me is we've seen what sharing stories can do to heal and bring understanding. It's been a beautiful journey and we're really hoping to just keep continue to do that. We're even uh, right now working with videographers to record stories of indigenous elders and others so that people can have access to their stories without leaving their own home even, you know? So, so just, and I, a lot of tribes are doing that. They're, you know, so there's just a lot of resources that we don't even 
we don't know that are out there that we're trying to help people navigate right. to. But powwow.com, you even get your the first four days you get told about what is a powwow and what are the traditions and you know yeah. how so just the culture so people don't have to worry when they do go to a powwow. Great way to sit and enjoy great food and to learn about culture. You know, there's those just a lot of tips. And then Facebook, there's a ton of social media sites that indigenous communities, they have a lot of sites that help people better understand language or culture, a lot of resources. Contact your local tribe. All right. All right. Thank you. So that, I mean, that's such good information because it starts at the community, you know, it, it really does. And, and the more people that are comfortable and open enough to, like you said, open minds, right? Just, you know, going through and saying, okay, I, I want to do this and it's okay if I make a mistake. And as long as I come from a place of love, you know, my intention will come through and that's where it starts. That's, you know, with humility and love and we're all part of society. And if society is going to change, then we have to be the ones, you know, to change it. And I think just being aware of, you know, in the first hundred years, when our ancestors got to the country, in the first hundred years, up to 95% of the Native American people were killed. Right. I mean, and you wonder why people are hurting, right? And angry. And if you don't know that information, you're you're like they're just being crabby yeah. and mean spirited. Yeah. And um, the information in our history books is definitely not, not the accurate, accurate portrayal of and, what really happened. Right. And there's yeah. so many films out there. Uh, Julia, I'm just blown away by the number of just good DVDs that are cheap, or even you know you can get them online. It's live streaming. Even I mean, there's just so many resources on simple information from the comfort of your own home and in your jammies, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that you can, you can find out the truth. Uh, I got to say some of them are really hard to watch, really, really hard to watch. And I mean, I ate comfort food, I ate mashed potatoes and gravy for a week after watching a couple of them, they were tough to watch, but really important to to see the truth. Yeah. And the, the truth that actually happened and, you know, and like you said, the no shame, no blame. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people are afraid of is that yeah. they're going to feel the shame and they're going to feel they're going to, but you know, we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm going to tell you that my my mother who's 80 to 81 years old and my stepdaughter both said the same thing to me. And that not just recently, I am sick and tired of being punished for being white. They feel that deeply, right? Bone deep. And I, my, my response was, how? How are you being punished? Tell me more. Okay, right? yeah. Because if we don't know where they're coming from, how can we even help them walk through that? Because behind that is pain. Those mm-hmm. statements, when someone says that, they're feeling pain. How do we get to the fear? Does, you know, the, the fear behind the shame, the blame? Because a lot of people are going, gosh, if, if, we, start, if we start talking about the truth, then what happens? And it, it's too big for some people. I mean, so just know that that's, that's a common response. Our job is to not take that, to sit with it and figure out what's that mean inside of me? What's driving that feeling for me? And then I think that a lot of people are real confused about some of the language 
online and out in, in media about racial healing and reconciliation and what does that mean and I think you know for us our jobs are as we have conversations with people clarifying because a lot of people are feeling like they're going to lose their land and they're going to you know all the money is going to go to other people and I'm good they're going to lose and that's really a scary place for a lot of people so for us it's just listening and talking and then sharing simple things that people can do every day to help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that goes back to, instead of the hierarchy, the circle that you were talking about earlier. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yep. Everyone has a voice. Everyone mm-hmm. has needs. Everyone's equal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you know, the, the part, and I'm, I'm just going to say we experience with some younger people in my family is a lot of people are feeling that there's going to be this switch in power or this switch in power, right? They don't understand equality being everybody in power. And they're feeling like, and again, people are angry, so they're saying harsh things. But it's really how do we help people choose the path of love and resilience? How do we help them choose compassion and kindness, you know, respect, all those good things. How, how can, how can we do that for them? Yeah. Beautiful. Well, you guys have, have just (laughs) so much to offer and I, I can, you know, like we'll have to schedule something else for a couple more months because I want to like, you know, find out more about what you guys are doing and, you know, all your youth work and the camp that's coming out. I I can't wait to hear about that. Also fun. And And yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, the one thing I would love to do if you're open to it and is 12 things you can do to help um, Native American communities. Yeah. Just simple things. Maybe we'll cover four or five, you know, whatever you'd like. And Um, we're we're to do that. Okay, cool. I'm going to write that down. And if I don't know if you're open to sending me that, and I could put that up on like a PDF on the show notes and then people can access it. And then we, yeah, can- yeah, we, we have a handout, yeah. have a handout yeah. that, that goes with that. So yeah. that would oh, be, cool. yeah, 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 that'd be great. Wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much. And look, it's three forty-five. <laughs> we're good. We have, we have 15 minutes uh, to right. get to your next thing. You guys are, uh, thank you for doing all your good work. Yeah. And well, really thank you. No, it's you guys, you guys are doing the work and I'm just here to help amplify your voices. So that's, that's what I'm here to do. And you guys ever get up to the upper peninsula of Michigan, you know, I'm coming and I will have, I have, a, guest. I have a guest room. <laughs> All right. Cool. Come on. All right. Sounds All right. good. Cool. All right. Thank you cool. so much. You Thank, both. You. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Oh, sure thing. Hey, you peace and love amplifier. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at peaceandloveamplifiers.com. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. And remember to ask yourself, what am I feeding the field? Until next time.